Recorded live from the wayofm.org studios in the fabulous Fetter Building in Rochester, New York, welcome to Transformation Thursday. I'm Penny Sterling, and my pronouns are she, her. And I'm Amy Stevens, and my pronouns are she, her as well. And today we're going to be speaking with the hosts of the Latter-day Lesbian podcast. Shelly Johnson is the Latter-day Lesbian. She grew up Mormon, got married, had seven kids, and leading and was leading what appeared to be an ideal Mormon life. But Shelly then figured figured out, hey, I think I'm a lesbian, and she ended up getting a divorce. She met Mary, and you know now they do this podcast, and they're helping Shelly figure her life out. And we'll also be talking to Mary, because she's part of the podcast, yeah. and hearing about her life and her transformation, and how she and Shelly found out about her love of shellfish. But for now, we'll continue with the time-honored tradition of the music swell and fade out. Let's talk about change, Amy. Okay, let me see. It looks like I've got three quarters, a nickel, a Canadian loony, and a few British tenors from when I was in London, because I'm an international comedian. No, not that change. Change is in transformation. The topic of Transformation Thursday. Oh yeah, that. Well, we're doing this podcast to highlight how much things change and how quickly they do it in society today. Everything changes and change isn't good or bad, it just is. The more we realize that change is just the natural progression of things, the better off we'll be. Now, let's talk about change. Didn't we just do that? No, no, not the last one. The first one. The coins. Money. About how people can give us some of theirs so that we can continue talking about ours. Are you just trying to get people to go to our Patreon page to support this podcast so that we can continue our exploration of what it means to live in a rapidly changing world? Because although this is a labor of love, we do have expenses, and by going to TransformationThursday.com, they can help ensure that we can continue to be bringing this fun and insightful commentary on the world today, plus get exclusive patrons-only content. Um, if I say yes, can we get on to our next segment? Oh, God, I hope so. Okay, then. TransformationThursday.com. Also, can you break a 20 for me? Sure. I can get that to you in euros. Okay, now you're just showing off. Welcome back to Transformation Thursday. I am Amy Stevens. My pronouns last time I checked are still she, her. And I'm Penny Sterling, and I am she, her as well. And we have a very special couple of guests today, Amy. A couple of guests? Yes, actually. You should know this because you're oh, yeah, the one that booked them. and you, book appear, you appeared on their podcast. Appeared or spoke or... Whatever. What? Yeah, apparently you have a goldfish memory because we're... Or <laughs> <laughs> else we're doing a really... <laughs> Say, Amy! <laughs> What happened to you this week on the podcast? That's that short-term memory thing, you know. Hey, uh, no, this week we have Mary Rutt and Shelly Johnson with us. They are from the Latter-day Lesbian podcast, and I just was informed that uh, the episode that I recorded with them about a week and a half ago will be coming out roughly around the first of the year, but so be as we like to say in the business, stay tuned for that. And when we Absolutely. say the business, of course, we mean the industry. The industry? Yes, that's right. But let's, I'm going to let you, I'm, since I am, I am neither Latter-day nor lesbian, I'm going to let you guys have the chit-chat, and if I can think of anything interesting to say, I will jump in. I think you'll find a lot of interesting things to say. I think I'll have more interesting, interesting things to hear, but yep. go for it. Well, I, like I said, we have Mary and Shelly with us from the Latter-day Lesbian Podcast, so we want to say hi to both of them. They're, they're here joining us via Zoom, so Hello! Hi. Hello. 
That was almost in stereo. That was impressive. I feel like I used an unnatural high voice. My voice is more is is deeper and more soothing on our podcast. It's really going to be okay. <laughs> yeah, no. Do you ever get misgendered on the phone? Because I get that all uh, the time. I did all the time, which is funny when I was married because my ex-husband has more of a high voice. And so people would call me and I or call for him and I would answer and they would go, well, hello there, brother DeWitt. I'm like, no, this is Shelly. Yeah. Okay. Wow. There's so many creepy things about that whole statement. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. What's on? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I got misgendered today at the drive-thru. The lady's like, Amy, that's your name? You have a really deep voice. So now I just figure I'm going to use this <laughs> podcast for my voice therapy each week just to work on my voice. Yeah. And part of my problem is that I oftentimes in my job will have to call people with just like real brief messages like your, you know, your, your order is ready and you can come pick it up at any time. And they'll say, thank you, sir. And it's like, okay, do I have to spend some time here saying not a sir? Cause I said penny and all that, or I just like hang up and just seethe. And I, I do a lot of hanging and seething in my job. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a really interesting question. How much time is spent educating people on your correct gender? A lot. Cause I, I have a show called spy in the house of men, a one woman show with balls. And, um, <laughs> and it is basically the entire thing is me correcting people on my gender. It's, oh, wow. Wow. it's, it's a gender agenda. Well, not, <laughs> and for, and for me, I don't get gendered too much in public anymore. It's a little bit when I talk, that's about it. But when people just look at me, I don't, I don't get gendered either way. Usually today at breakfast with my girlfriend and our kids, I got gendered female and but otherwise i usually just don't get gendered that's one of the differences between penny and i usually yeah i get it all the time i i came off of a show one time i was wearing i i, I looked fabulous i had i was wearing a leather skirt black stockings heels my hair looked great i had great makeup i had a red oh, wow. silk blouse on and I, and, I, and, and, and I and it was wonderful it was a fundraiser for the ugandan water project we raised enough money to to bring two tanks Build two tanks of water in Uganda, and Very I feel, cool. felt really great about it. And I was walking to meet some people there for uh, for food afterwards, and I walk up to the front dressed like that, and they look at me and say, "How can I help you, sir?" And, uh, and, fucking and, sucks. Yeah, and I said, uh, and I said, fuckers. I said, "What part of me makes you think that I want to be called sir?" Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, Okay, and I am so cheesy. Anytime I hear a story about Uganda, I have to reply with, oh God. Uganda, be kidding me. <laughs> <laughs> this is Sorry. the shit I live with day in and day out. Is this, is this the shit that's on your show also? This sort of stuff? Pretty close. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. yep. So, so, how the, so, so it's called The Latter-day Lesbian. So I know, like I said, we... I, when I listen to it, we hear more about Shelly's story, but how, how, tell us the genesis and how you two came up with this idea and how this has kind of become a little bit of a sensation in the ex-Mormon world. Yeah, well, you know, I guess I'll just jump in. So I met Shelly and then I started hearing her story and the seven kids, the whole thing. I mean, she was born and raised in the Mormon cult, as we say on every show. And we are not ashamed to say that because that's what we think it is. And that's mm-hmm. she was born into it, married young, had seven children. Finally, wow. one day, she and her husband were questioning the church. They decided, well, it took a long time, but they decided to leave, leave the religion. And then soon after, she decided, you know what? I think I might be a lesbian. So we met on Match.com 
after having conversations and actually finally meeting and getting together, she started telling me her background, her story. And I just said, you know, I, I don't know how I know this. I just feel like you are going to help people. And I want to figure out how to help you do that. And so we didn't realize it was going to be a podcast that day. I didn't know if it was going to be a book maybe or a documentary. I had no idea. Then it just dawned on me, you know, it's like these these kids today are doing these podcasts. Maybe we should try that out. See what happens. Oh, these so that's kids basically today. The kids today. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of what happened. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it started to out. The, yeah. The intention, the uh, intention was just for really for me to tell my story um, in hopes of me getting some kind of healing and closure because I was real fucked up then. I mean, I'm not completely healed at this point, but I just needed to. Is anyone. Tell my story. Yeah. Um, and then it didn't take long until we had hundreds of people at this point writing in with their story saying, oh my gosh, I thought I was the only one. Um, and so I just, just realizing that so many people were suffering with the same story that I had, uh, just really inspired us to keep going. And now it's be, it's morphed into this huge podcast of people just sharing and being supportive. And yeah, we, you know, I, I still tell some of my stuff, but my stuff is, kind of told at this point it's more about helping others to heal how yeah we're telling a, a lot of other people's stories at this point how big yeah. of an audience yeah. do you have do you know any way to measure uh, yeah there's we've got matrix probably around eight thousand listens a week wow. basically that's mm-hmm. something yeah that's, that's getting pretty, there. we're pretty proud of that in uh, in one year we're hoping to keep growing i feel like the more we can reach the more people we're helping and and you know, that just, it makes me, it makes me feel good. Damn. It gets me in the feels. Yeah. And it's not just lesbians, you know, I mean, the first wave, I think were uh, women going through the same thing, like really literally thinking they were the only ones going mm-hmm. through it. And that's how they could relate to Shelly. But then we had a wave of people who were maybe raised Baptist or in my case, I was raised evangelical or or other denominations or strange religions that they could relate or other people were like, you know what? I was raised Mormon, but I'm not a lesbian, but I love your story. So mm-hmm. it's it just seems like it's a little something for everybody. I you know, know what one of my one of my favorite waves is? It's happening happening right now. Past holes. Past holes. Oh so, yeah, I, that, that's what, that was a great letter episode. <laughs> oh God, so good. We're having so many like straight white men write in and talk about how they used to be these patriarchal assholes and, and didn't get behind the LGBTQ. I mean, hated the gays running the show, had it all figured out. And then something happened to them where either one of their kids was gay or just whatever. And then they have left the church, changed their ways completely. And now they want to apologize and, and be an ally. So those past whole stories are so good for me. They're like, they're just healing. And to see people, recognize it that they were shitty humans and that they can change and not just change but show people they've changed and help those who they used to hurt i i'm loving the past whole wave and seek redemption you know i mean i think people should be allowed to turn into a different person and, and and become a more loving kind person that's okay we should allow them to uh, ask for forgiveness and seek healing, and we should support them in that process. Mm-hmm. We had a guy uh, we met in Utah at one of our meet and greets. We turned that into a podcast episode. He was in tears because he admitted to us afterwards that he ha- had gone to a local gay bar at some point, probably in the 80s or 90s, and actually thrown rocks 
at uh, some of the patrons from the gay bar. And he was so ashamed over that and so traumatized and so sad and just wanting forgiveness. And his pain was so genuine. And I want to help people facilitate change and realize that they don't have to subscribe to a religion that doesn't actually teach them to love. doesn't teach them that at all. Gives them, a, gives them a false version of what love actually is. It, it, yeah. It's extraordinarily conditional. If yep. you do these things, then you are worthy of love. Well, as that's opposed to that's Mormonism in a nutshell. Yeah. 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 Sh- For sure. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. And so the, the other thing, so going back to your podcast then and the growth of it, but not only is it a podcast, but you, you ladies have been on a, like a, a year long road show as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, We're exhausted. For, <laughs> uh, yeah. For some reason, we discovered early on that uh, if we went to pride events, pride festivals as a vendor, we could actually reach a lot of people and grow our audience. I don't know. We haven't seen any other podcasters at these festivals. And I don't know why, because there's a lot of gay podcasts out there, trans podcasts. Yeah. And it seems like a great place to sort of advertise. What do yeah. you vend? We give away Ourselves. stuff. We're bored. <laughs> we bored <Yeah>. out. <laughs> <laughs> and which is why it's so exhausting. I'm sure whores are exhausted like we are. Yeah. Um, because we are whores. We but call it's basically sex workers now, Shelley. That you're right. <laughs> <laughs> this is something, something uh, backtrack to the podcast. This is something that's been helping me because I still have all of that old Mormon upbringing of what we call people. You know, like it's still like I said, Indian instead of Native American. And I was corrected and I'm like, shit, you're right. Uh, So even since I'm out of the church completely and I'm trying to be a good person, there's still things that I've learned that are incorrect that I need to unlearn. And I love it. I love it when our listeners call me out. It's like, oh, yes, thank you. Okay, move forward. I I don't have to do that anymore. Um, So going back to us being sex workers uh, at the Pride Pride events. So we just set up a table. Mary's made this amazing banner and we pass out free uh, wristbands and cards and things like that. But we basically bring people in and we tell people about ourselves, about the podcast. So we're just talking for, you know, eight straight hours and trying to get listeners. We have people come and meet us who do listen. So it's awesome meeting people. Um, but we are literally talking the entire time and it's exhausting. And it was, it was a good 2019, but we are glad that we won't be doing any of those for some months. So, so Rook, so with the name of your podcast being Latter-day Lesbian and you're on site at these different prides, is there any confusion that you might be actually pro-church and trying to approach being gay from a pro-Mormon perspective? Yep, yeah, we, we did we run had, into that. We didn't realize that until... Um, we were at Utah Pride and we saw people kind of walk by and look at the banner and kind of get a, give a weird look and keep walking. And I was like, Mary, what's going on? Finally, some lady came up and she was like, okay, wait, are you still Mormon or not? And I'm like, no, we're not Mormon. She goes, oh, okay, okay. I wasn't sure because if you're trying to be gay and Mormon, that's bullshit. And then I <laughs> would you recognize, call that Gorman? oh my God, Gorman, <laughs> stop being so Gorman. Or would you and be so Mormon? <sighs> You know, I, I just... I think it's Horman. There you go. That's why you were Horman. You, were, you weren't whores, you were Horman. Yeah. Whore, uh, whore persons. Right. So at Utah Pride, what I did is I just got a piece of paper and with a Sharpie, I just wrote X, E-X, and then we taped it <laughs> next to uh, 
what was the next two? Um, Latter Day Saints. Latter Day, Latter Day yes, Lesbian. So ex- I don't know if you remember that our 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 logo is Latter Day Lesbian. It doesn't have saint in it at all. No one claims to be a saint. <laughs> no. <probably laughs> anyway, once we shoved that X up there, then people started flooding in. And, well, and we've changed we, our banner since. Yeah, then. we have since. So it's a little. It, now it says an ex Mormon gay girl trying to figure out life. So it's a little more. So, yeah. so this is probably a good segue for us to um, pause Mary for a little bit, and we're going to pick on Shelly for a little bit. How's that sound? <laughs> that sounds fine. Oh, uh, I love being picked. Now I get to yeah. tell all of Mary's secrets. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be great. So, Mary, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna play a little game here. You got to answer all the questions. No, just kidding. That's a different game show. <laughs> um, Truth or dare? Love connection. Truth, yeah, love Truth or dare. Yeah. So, <laughs> so. Shelly, so you, the latter day, like you said, early on, it really did focus on you. So, and you know, for our listeners that don't know that I spent 20 years in the Mormon church as somebody who was trying to figure out their gender, the Mormon church works very well to suppress that, but it only suppresses mm-hmm. it. And I think you can say the same thing coming at it from a sexual, <laughs> from your sexual orientation perspective. Are you okay there, Mary? I'm gonna make it. Okay. She's probably smoking a. She's probably smoking a doobie. Yeah. So <laughs> funny. <laughs> the joys of live <laughs> podcasting. So, <laughs> so, but Shelly, so you know, give us a little bit of background, and you know, I'm gonna steal this from another podcast, but your Mormon street cred. You know, how far back does this go for you? Uh, born in the covenant, so I'd say as far back as it gets. Uh, pioneer heritage, like back to. I think it's it's Benjamin F. Johnson, who was like the best friend of Joseph Smith, some dumb shit that I don't care about. Um, but yeah, I was born into it. So I don't feel like I ever had the opportun- opportunity to look outside. I wasn't taught to think. Um, I was taught the church is true, period. Your dad is always right, period. Your priesthood leaders are always right, period. There was, there was never... There was never... No one ever even asked me to get my own testimony. Like there wasn't even that. It was just, it's true, period. So I didn't question it. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's what I've found out when I joined the church is like, this is the way it is. You need to accept it. Especially, and I joined a church with Gordon B. Hinckley, who was the prophet of the church. Uh, For our non-Mormon listeners, the members of the Mormon church actually believe the president of the church is the prophet here today on earth, just like Mm -hmm. Isaiah and all the, and all the old Jewish prophets. So that's how hardcore it is. And so, oh, yeah. so how, but how would you explain since our audience is pretty much never mo, um, how would you explain, you know, born in the covenant? How do, how do you explain that pioneer ancestry sure. and how, and how does that take a generational effect on you? So when you're born in the covenant, that, that means that when you were born, your parents were sealed in the temple, meaning you are sealed together for eternity. You get to be a family in heaven together forever. So Mormons like to tout that as, you know, we are the only ones who have the authority from God to seal families together. Oh my um, God. Does that mean I have to stay with my mother? The yeah. entire right? Some people are like, fuck that. I don't exactly. want, you know, my, my, my mother's like, are you, are you going to wear those ring, wings? All right. If you think it's okay. Is it like, I, I couldn't stand that. Send me to hell. That would be hell. Yeah. 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 Totally. The, the pressure, though, to, to stay in Mormonism is because if you leave Mormonism, you are then disconnected from your family for eternity, for eternity. So when I die and all of my, my parents, my grandparents were already passed away, my brothers, when everybody dies, 
everyone who stayed Mormon and stayed worthy as a Mormon gets to be together. And I am in some other planet somewhere else with the rest of the sinners. Uh, and so there's a lot of familiar, familial guilt there because, well, your, your grandparents are wanting to be with you for the eternities. You know, grandma loved you so much. Don't you want to be with her? Don't you? It's such a guilt ridden religion. And, and that pre I know so many people who stay in, not because they believe it, not because they believe in eternal families, but because they know that when they leave, it will break their parents' hearts because they know their parents truly feel like they will have lost them for eternity. So your parents were really cool then when you came out. Oh, they were, they were ecstatic. <laughs> what about God. your kids? Um, the kids were fine with it actually, because my oldest at the time was 15, 15 year old boy. He didn't give a shit. He's like, whatever. I'm just tired of going to church. Um, the only kid that sort of struggled was my daughter. Um, she was, I want to say 11 or 12 at the time. And she Ooh. had already, she was already that age in Mormonism where they're teaching the girls. Um, yep. if you show your shoulders, you're walking pornography you, you know, short skirts, walking pornography, you are being disobedient to God. Like it's really, really bad. Right. And that first summer when we stopped going or when we kind of stopped going as much, um, I had started wearing tank tops instead of my normal garments. So those of you who are listening, who have no clue, the magic underwear is a real thing. It's like an undergarment that you wear. That's basically a t-shirt and shorts that go down to your knees. Um, and so, you know, someone's not temple worthy Mormon, if you can see their shoulders, if they show, if they wear tank tops. So that summer I started wearing tank tops around the house because I was, I didn't want to wear the garments anymore. My, my testimony was waning and my daughter freaked out in tears. Mom, why are you showing, showing your shoulders? Why are you sinning? What are you doing? I mean, it, it rocked her world. And it was in that moment where I was thinking, oh my God, I am raising judgmental little shits. I, I, I can't, like, we have got to leave. We have to leave completely. We have to unbrainwash this because here I have an 11 year old judging her mother about showing her shoulders. Well, you have nice shoulders. I can see why. They're amazing. And I can see why the boys would be touching themselves when I show them. But exactly. I mean, not, not my Your problem. Your shoulders bring all the boys to the yard. They do bring <laughs> the boys to the yard. So, <laughs> so for you for leaving the church, was it your, was it you being lesbian and you dealing with that that led you out, or was it more of the what we call the truth claims? You know, how where does where does that all fall together for you? So this is the the more I analyze this, the more interesting it is to me. I didn't recognize that I was a lesbian until after we had left the church. I would never have left the church if my husband hadn't first started questioning because I wasn't questioning the church. I was like, whatevs, you know, this is what we do. Um, this is nearly impossible for me. I'm, I'm breaking under all the pressure to be perfect, but the church is true. We're in this, but I was being a good, obedient, submissive wife in following my husband as he started looking outside of the church. Um, he was the one who first didn't really like the whole follow the prophet regime, you know, where everyone's doing exactly what the prophet says. And he started doing some histor historical research and things and basically came to the point that the church in its current form is way off the tracks. And so I just went along with it because he's my husband and I, and I do 
what he says. And he's smarter than me. He has the priesthood. He went on a mission. He's, he's better than I am. So, and so I did what he said. He did what he said, but was there any side of you that said, holy crap, this is really scary. You know, if I'm not following the prophet and you have six, seven generations of in the church, you know, Mm -hmm. what's going through your mind though, as at that point, a very believing member of the church, and you still haven't got to the point of questioning your sexuality. Um, I wasn't worried. I wasn't worried about the whole generations of people. Um, just because at that point, I just didn't think it was true anymore. I thought it was just kind of junk and, or I thought that the cur- the church in its current form was junk and there was something else that, that we needed to belong to. My husband kind of went that way and it sort of belongs to an offshoot of Mormonism. And, but I just kept on leaving. And what the final straw was f- for me as far as discovering my sexuality was um, I had been raised to really dislike gay people. Like they, and I oh, say yeah. they because back then they were a they to me. Uh, they were out to destroy the traditional family. They they should never be raising children. Children deserve a mother and a father. I mean, it was all the stuff. They, they just want to go out and have rampant gay sex with strangers, um, that whole thing. And after leaving the church, so I stopped going to church. I had to make a whole new friend group because when you're Mormon, oh, yeah. those are your friends. And my new friend group became a CrossFit gym. And as I was meeting people there, there were some, some gay people. And I was realizing, I kind of I like these people. I don't think God hates them. They're, they're very nice. They're, they're normal people who have normal relationships. Um, and so I let that in my, sink into my heart that, you know what? I don't think God hates gay people. And it was soon after I was getting on an airplane to go. I don't remember where, or, but I was standing in the security line and there was this lesbian couple sorry, freaking dogs. There was this lesbian couple standing in front of me and they were looking in each other's eyes and they were laughing and they were holding hands and they would hug and kind of kissed on the cheek. And just, it was just so cute and so loving and so feeling. And I literally like felt their energy of love and attraction and best friendship between the two of them. And I thought, I want that. I want that. I don't have that. never had that with my husband. I've never had that with a man. That's what I, what I want. And that sort of got my brain spinning. Like what, what's going on? Why are you so interested in these female relationships? Then I felt myself being attracted to women. Um, and, and so it, my sexuality actually had nothing to do with leaving the church. When I started analyzing my sexuality, looking back over my lifetime, it's like, Oh my God. I was a lesbian this entire fucking time. Nobody told me. It was just blatantly obvious from situations I'd been in, feelings I'd had for for friends who were girls. Um, but when you're Mormon, it's not even something you think about. It's just not an option. No, Penny and I have spoken about this a few times. One of the things we talk about is, you know, if you would have asked Penny, you know, I don't know, let's say a year before she started hormone replacement therapy, if you would have asked me even you know, a few months before I started hormone replacement therapy, or even after I started hormone, I wouldn't have said I was trans. I would have said I was gender fluid. Penny would have said something else. And you probably just was, you know, if somebody would have came up to you and said, you know, are you a lesbian before you really had that experience? You probably would have said, no, I'm, I'm straight as straight can be. And you would have denied it. And so there's, I think for a lot of us who, 
end up, you know, for us transition in your case coming out, you know, and coming to terms with yourself, I think, you know, there's this process that we go through to get there and it can, and it, and it really is a life, life changing thing. So, and you can look back and it's really easy to look back through your life and say, okay, oh, I missed this. Yes, I missed that. Mm-hmm. And it's, mm-hmm. but I you can't live yourself looking back at that. You also have to look right. at what you have because, you know, I've heard right. you talk, you have a great ex-husband, you know, who did He's help fantastic. you get out yeah. of the church. You have seven wonderful kids. And so yeah. without everything in your life prior, you wouldn't have the life you have today either. And so, yeah, that's very true. I mean, I, I look back at, you know, what if I'd have left the church when I was 19, what, you know, what if all these, what ifs, but I think of where I am today. Yeah. I've gone through a lot of shit. There's a lot of damage there. Uh, seven kids is a lot, but I also look at, I have seven kids who are not being raised in a fucked up religion. I have seven kids who have a gay mother and they love me and, and they think my girlfriend, Mary is fantastic. I have seven free thinking children who are going to make the world a better place. I've met this amazing woman who I might not have come in contact with had this not been my story. Mary and I together have this podcast that gives us meaning in life where we can actually help people and change people. Would I have gotten here? Had I not had that history? Probably not. It would have been something else. And so I, I'm so grateful that I'm in the position that I am now, for sure. Yeah, I've always had this belief that everything in life that happens to us is a gift. Mm-hmm. And for, for me, I, like I knew since I was eight years old that I was transgender, and that was 1967. And, wow. you know, had I, had I come out, um, you know, my, my life would have, and I talk about this in my show, it, you know, I, my life would not... I would probably be a patch on an AIDS quilt someplace because, yeah. you know, I, I was so starved for affection that I would have been an anything that moves kind of girl. And there was no way that I would have, that I would be here today. So gotcha. that was the gift that I have. And I, I'm just, I'm the same way. I'm grateful for living the life that I lived. I'm grateful. I was, um, I was abusive as a man. And in my last show that I that I that I wrote, I I addressed this because my first encounter with a man as, as myself was one where he sexually assaulted me in exactly the, and he did he did on me the exact same move I did on my wife, uh, and I thought back then and because that was my move I did it on on more than the woman who became mother I stopped after we got together, but that was my move. You know, you lean on the, the car door, you, you take their arm, you do all these things. You don't let them say no. You, you convince them that they want it. And, and all of these things that I did were abusive. And I did not know that until I transitioned and started having it happen to me. And now mm-hmm. I get to tell people about this and I can do it in a way that not many people can. So I, yeah. I, I really relate with what you're saying. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you. You have to go back and, and it's okay to be angry at shit you've gone through because everyone heals differently. Um, but to take all that and say, well, what can I do with it now? You know what I can do? I, I can help people and I can make my life better and I can give my kids a better future and you know, whatever it is. Yeah. yeah and I think that's an important, healthy aspect. That's a healthy way to look at things because, you know, we can't control what has happened to us, but we can control what will happen in the future and what we can do with our lives. So that's an important thing. So as you're going through this, you have seven kids. How do you, and you, like you said, you have free thinkers, but how do you deprogram yourself from 40 plus years and 
and you know what Mary and I probably and we all agree is you know it's a cult at some level. How do you oh, deprogram uh, from it's that? It's a cult at every level, Amy. Jesus. Yeah, I know, I know. Um, I, but I, but I, but I, but I, but, <laughs> I get but I listened to Mormon stories recently in twelve hours mm. of. It's not Scientology level cult. <laughs> I mean, it's cult like. Okay, okay, yeah, it's I a mean, step under. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, we all have our different experiences. Yeah, yeah, I mean, so it's it's. So yeah, if we could get into dissecting what's a, you know levels of cults, but yeah, I think you're right. I mean, if you look yeah. at the bite meth, the bite model yeah mormonism is a cult absolutely how do i deprogram that it's something that i realized that i hadn't actually been doing um until we began the podcast it's funny because mary just asked me that question as well today actually um i didn't realize how deeply i was affected by these things until i needed to start talking about them on the podcast so when I podcast and I'm telling a story, I want to make sure the listener really feels what I felt or what I'm feeling in the moment um, because I like to connect in that way. And so I'm, I pick my words carefully. I really get into the emotion of it. And, and by doing that, I have been digging deeper into my Mormon past than I ever have in my entire life to the point where I will, I'll trigger myself just from things that I'm saying. Um, and so that's really healing for me to be able to say these things and realize just how damaged I am, just how damaged um, I was or how long I'm, I'm, how far I've come. And the next huge thing that's been helpful has been people writing into the show and talking about their damage. Cause then you realize, you know what? I'm not crazy. I'm not crazy. I'm not the only one who went through this. This wasn't just me making this up in my head. This happens and people are being abused this way and we can move on. We can, we can get better. Um, but I will say my very first way of starting to heal was just being open with Mary. You know, when, when, <laughs> when I put, uh, on match.com looking to date women, I was going to, I was going to, I don't want to say whore myself out because we don't say that anymore. I was going to sex, sex worker work myself. Out. I was going to sex worker myself out there and just because I was just going to go crazy. And I, but I put this profile up on match.com that basically said, help. I was raised in a cult. I think I might be gay. I don't know what I'm doing. Um, I might erase this as soon as I post it. Like it was that wacky. And of course, Mary's like, well, sign me up. You know, she, yeah. <laughs> she responds and we start talking and she was the first person who I really explained to how I felt about things because she, she was the first never Mormon I had told my situation to and to see her reactions and to see her hurt for me gave me even more confidence in telling more and more and more Um but it really did take someone who truly listened for me to feel like, oh, this actually is a big deal. I just, I wasn't just, I didn't just have kind of a rough life in Mormonism. You know, it really was bad. Um, so she for sure was a catalyst for me in just listening and letting me know how bad it is. So let me, let me I have a question here. So how good did it feel to be with somebody and open up with out any sort of judgment coming back that you would have had if you were with, you know, a cisgender male, somebody in the Mormon church, you know, yeah. you, that list goes on and on. So 
How, what was that experience like for you? Can you describe that? It, it was like I basically fell in love in the first three minutes that I started sharing myself with her because it, you know, when you're used to being judged, you're used to people kind of saying, you know, no, you, you heard that wrong. That's not what's being taught. You're just overreacting or, or you're just not being obedient enough or whatever it is. When you finally have the guts to open up again to someone and instead of them judging you, they hold you really close and they look in your eyes and they say, I am so sorry and it's going to be okay. That was the first thing Mary ever told me was it's going to be okay. When she replied to my crazy ass um, bio on match.com, her response was it's going to be okay. And that was something I didn't know that I needed to hear. And that's been her that's been the way she has been with me since it's been two years of her saying it's going to be okay. It's huge. It's everything I ever needed and didn't know it. I'm trying to hold back tears here. My eyes, I I don't think the video is very high quality for you that we're talking over, but you know, you know, I recently came out of my 18 year marriage to a very traditional believing Mormon TBM, as we refer to it in the ex Mormon world. And I, and I, and I wasn't looking for a relationship and I end up dating this wonderful woman. And one night, you know, after we talked and I was sharing life goals that I've been suppressing for years and we're laying in bed talking and all of a sudden she's like, you are amazing. You are brave. All these affirmations that I, I'd never heard through two prior marriages with my life goals. And just to have that moment, I, I broke down crying in bed, you know, just have somebody validate you for who you are after uh, suppressing who you were is mm-hmm. just such a powerful life altering event. It, it really is. And you don't know what it feels like until you have that happen. Uh, I was so used to as a Mormon woman doing everything for everyone, mm-hmm. giving, 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 never really receiving. I mean, I won't say never, but generally speaking as a Mormon woman, you just do everything for everyone. That's your job. And one night I was over at Mary's condo when we were first dating and she made me uh, crab legs and she brought the crab legs to me and we were going to watch a show and she set them down this beautiful plate of crab legs and butter and lemon. And I literally broke down into tears. I just cried. And she said, what's wrong? And I said, no one's ever made me crab legs. But it was this, no one ever did anything for me. And this person is not asking anything of me. She's just is giving to me. It, it's just, it changed me. It changed me. It just felt like I'm worth something. Yeah, that's, that's got to be an, that is an incredible feeling. I, I get some of those things myself. Uh, something that, and everything that you're talking about here, the, the dating where you put your worst foot forward and you're surprised <laughs> that people are, are okay with, with that. That's always an amazing feeling. And something that I fight, and I wonder if you, you have the same thing too, as you're, as you're doing the deep dive into your, into your life, do you ever gaslight yourself? Like ever, cause I, I tend to do that. I will, will look at and, and think about things and I will recall things and, and I do a lot of writing about my life and I, I, I will stop and look and go, no, it wasn't that bad. And I, I try to, 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 to do that. But then I actually look back and I see concrete evidence. Yeah, it was that bad. My, my, my family was that abusive to me and it, I have to fight that. My, this past weekend I was in my hometown. I'm from Corning, New York, and I did my show 
where I talk a lot about my mother. And as I'm as the show starts, I look in the audience and I see my mother's financial advisor sitting in the second row. Uh -oh. and, well, then this is the, my mother. My mother is was it was the godparents to her financial advisor. They I think she loved him more than she loved me because he like he was he made money. Which, yeah. So and, and so I'm doing all this stuff and he comes up to me and goes, that's not the, that's not the Eleanor that I know. And I said, well, yeah, you got, El you got Eleanor 2.0. You got her when she was in her fifties. I was there when she was batshit crazy in the mm -hmm. 1960s. But mm -hmm. I just, I almost felt guilty talking about it. Do you ever feel guilty talking about your life growing up? Yes. And I especially felt a lot of guilt when we first started the podcast. Um, but after receiving all the letters from people, I'm like, fuck that. I, I, I'm laying it out there. Um, I'm going to be honest because people need to hear just how bad it is. So they don't continue to brush it under the rug as well. I definitely, you know, when I would talk to still more Mormon friends and quotations about my struggles in Mormonism when I was on my way out, they made it sound like it wasn't so bad, you know, like, Oh, come on. Every, everyone has that guy in their ward. Who's just kind of patriarchal. And there's, they're, they're not all like that. And well, you just misunderstood, blah, blah, blah. Like everyone wanted to cover it up. And so you start thinking, well, maybe I'm just overreacting. Um, but when you talk to someone like Mary, you know, my girlfriend or my therapist, Jr. Uh, love him. And, and you see their reaction of like, uh, that is so messed up or, um, Shelly, you understand that is spiritual abuse. That's abuse to have someone actually tell me that. And then you think about it, you go, Oh yeah, damn it. That is abuse. That wasn't just one thing that I blew out of proportion. No, 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 that's abuse, which is why I think it's helpful to talk about it. Cause when you don't talk about it and people, people seem to think that it's not that big of a deal. You end up telling yourself, that's eh, no big deal. That's why I think we have to talk about our abuse. We gotta get it out there so people can relate, can understand, can tell you, yeah, you were abused, you're not crazy, and that you can help other people heal as well. Yeah, we need to hear that every once in a while. We need to hear, no, you're not mm -hmm. crazy. Yes. Well, right. we might be in some other ways, but when it's related yeah. to coming out of a cult and repressing <laughs> our gender identity or our sexuality, our sexuality, yeah, yeah, I think it, it, you know, you are crazy for doing that, and it's easy to gaslight yourself. And you know, I remember, you know, I started coming out almost three years ago. I was planning my suicide. I was planning on pulling the car into the garage, taking a nap, and. Finally, I came to my senses. I said, no, I can't leave my children with a legacy of suicide. And then I remember listening to Lori Lee Hall on Mormon Stories podcast. And she said something along the lines of this dealing with my gender identity was either going to kill me or I was going to start coming out. And then I remembered, I'm like, oh, I'm glad I didn't get to that point because mine wasn't that bad. So I'm sitting here gaslighting myself, <laughs> yeah. driving to Pittsburgh, you know, a couple of years ago. And finally, I... I I got, as I was getting continued listening to podcasts, I'm like, you're a fucking idiot, Amy. You know, you were planning your suicide. That, that was going to be you. Lori Lee Hall just described what you were going through and you just tried to discount it. So it's so easy for us to do. So, Oh, for sure. Yeah. Especially if you mind, if I throw this in really quickly, when Go. you hear 
people's stories that are clearly worse than yours, you know, yep. like, like major bad shit, like Tara Westover or, you know, those, the really bad, bad, bad stuff. Um, you tend to think that you're, maybe you're overact, overreacting to your own story. No, 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 no. Any level of abuse is abuse. You don't have to be like locked in a dungeon and undergoing like sexual abuse for your entire life to have a, a story of abuse and trauma. It can happen in the most minimal ways, but affect you in such a severe way. And maybe if you never even get to the point where you contemplate suicide, doesn't matter. Doesn't mean it didn't happen. Doesn't mean it wasn't all that abusive. It's still abuse. So don't let someone's horror story make you think that yours wasn't all that bad. You know? Yeah, I would love to. I would love to get uh, Mary into this and yeah, and see how she. Um, <coughs> How she characterized that first meeting from from the uh, from your end, it sounds like why would she? And I I, I want to know from her what did you see in in Shelley that made her so attractive? And remember, she's listening. <laughs> and you, you and know, you, and you can say shoulders. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Those no, her shoulders were fantastic. Uh, she was a CrossFit coach. Did she mention any of that? She says she, she was, was in CrossFit. She didn't tell us she was a coach. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, it's funny about that whole crab leg story. Um, turned out she was allergic. So yeah, that would, that would, uh, <laughs> that would, that would bring anyone to tears. <laughs> Why do you God's hate me so much? <laughs> the one gift yeah, she gets, no. she's allergic to. Perfect. You know, um, it, honestly, I feel like I could have done anything that was just remotely kind and it would have meant so much to her based on what she was used to from her past and from her childhood, which is sad. But um, yeah, you know, I just saw someone so raw and genuine and kind and loving and just in need of love, you know? And I just want to relate to people anyway on that level. And it helped that we also had a, a physical and sexual connection, <laughs> you know, that all, all of it that worked does together. Help. Yeah. It does help, yeah, for sure. But I just loved how honest she is and willing to be vulnerable and never hesitating about it. And I feel like everyone has, me, myself included, we all have facades. We all have walls to protect ourselves. I mean, they're in place for a reason. We've been hurt. You know, I've, I have a, a story myself of, of hurt and rejection from my family of origin. And we have these stories and we, we build these walls. We're like uh, M&Ms and we have these hard candy shells. Most of us do. And here is Shelly, someone who just is willing to be raw and open and vulnerable all the time. And it's genuine. It's genuine. And I fell in love with that. You know, I just needed that, I think. I needed that. Now, you you came out in the 90s or the 80s? When 80s, yeah. How old were you? So, uh, it was between the years of 17 and 19. So that would be 18. Sure, if you want to do an average. I'm good at the math. So between 17 and 19, that would be 18. At least, at least, at least in Western New York it is. Okay, sure. I was never good at math, to be honest. <laughs> but my first kiss with another girl was when I was 17 years old. And it was like that traditional, oh my God, lightning is going off. And this is what it really feels like to connect with somebody. And this feels amazing. And I pretty much never looked back. I, I fooled around with a couple of guys after that just to see what the big deal was. But really, that just was a life-changing experience for me. And then it was just a matter of 
being comfortable enough with figuring out this is who I want to be, right? So this is what I'm going to do. And it's the 80s. And I live in this really religious environment. And I go to church and I have this whole church community. And I have to take on disappointing my family and my mother, especially, who worked for Pat Robertson, the TV evangelist. For real. She worked for him. I believe that. Yeah. Is that how you ended up in Virginia then or... That's exactly how we moved from New York state to Virginia because my mother got a job working for the Christian broadcasting network. Mm, wow. Yeah. I'm sorry to hear so that. So I've seen, a, I know I've seen a lot of episodes of the 700 club, none of them voluntarily. Like <laughs> I, I would not have signed up for that on purpose, but yeah, I was always on. So yeah, I had to deal with all that and take that on. Well, oddly that same year I was dealing with coming out of the closet. I was a senior of high school and our minister, my mother was attending and we, we went with her, but it was this evangelical Presbyterian church of all things. And the minister was discovered to be gay. They, of course, fired him. And he ended up getting a job at Radio Shack, um, <laughs> wow. which it just, I know. And it, it was heartbreaking because we, we stumbled upon, we went into, like my friends and I went into Radio Shack one time and there he was waiting on us. It was the most awkward thing because he was such a loving kind person with just a great speaker, super great minister, great counselor type, um, you know, went through uh, seminary, unlike Mormons, actually went through seminary to become a a priest, if you will. But uh, yeah, just a really great man. And here he was having to be a clerk at Radio Shack because he was kicked out of his church. And it was, it was heartbreaking, heartbreaking. But you know, people from my church had see, saw no no reason to keep him around. He was a sinner. Wow. Did, and I, did yeah. they keep you around? You um did my mother keep me around? Yeah. That was really hard. So I came out sort of by accident at 19 because it was a summer break and I was living with her from I went to school 4 hours away. And she found a letter that I was writing to somebody, a friend of mine who enjoyed dressing up uh, and drag and his drag name was Celeste Marie Dubois. <laughs> so I, was, I found this amazing card with uh, female legs in like a dancing pose, like a almost like a Rockettes lineup. And one of the legs was hairy. <laughs> and so I found this card at a gay bookstore and I sent it. I, I, was, I started out. I was like, dear Celeste Marie Dubois. And I was telling my friend about my summer and how things were going. And my mother found this card and, and decided to read it. And I was talking about having feelings for this girl. And she asked me about it over dinner one time. We, I'll never forget it. We went to a Mexican restaurant and she asked me about this card. She was acting really weird, asked me about the card. I admitted that I was attracted to women and she burst into tears. Then I burst into tears. The waitress is coming by going, uh, more, more will there chips? be anything else? <laughs> yeah, exactly. More was chips. it the guacamole? <laughs> exactly. I know. And it was completely awkward and horrifying. And then I think I spent the next couple of years just not exactly convincing her it wasn't true, but just never talking about it, mm. never bringing up anything personal, never introducing her to friends. It just, so she just, I didn't want her to know anything about my life. I just didn't want to be close to her because it was so horrible. I wasn't changing, but I didn't also want her to really see who I was. 
Well, and you. So then, I, oh, yeah, go sorry, ahead. I was just gonna say real quick. You still have a short. From what I've picked up through the podcast, your your relationship with your mom's still a little bit strained when it comes to this too. There's the jab and you know the little bit of her comments still, right? I mean, we're talking thirty yeah. years later. Thirty years. Yep, she still brings it up. If I um, am a, I'm act too effusive about a friend who happens to be a man, she'll say something like, "You see." You just need to meet someone like X, Y, or Z. I'm like, mom, I can't even talk to you about male friends without you still trying to hook me up with a guy. I'm over 50. <laughs> Seriously. Get over this. It's just a three-decade de- three <laughs> yeah. fad. Just a phase I'm going through, a three-decade fad. I'm going to get over this at any moment and f- see the error of my ways. I know. I, I just don't understand why this could be going on so long for her that she still needs to bring it up. Can't figure it out. Yeah. So it's strained. It's definitely a strained relationship. Now, how is she with Shelly? She's definitely um, pleasant and cordial. I think she, uh, she's met her, gosh, I think one time. Oh, just one? So just one time last uh, last Christmas. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but it went well. We had dinner and everybody was pleasant on good behavior and it was fine. Mom doesn't really bring her up. I will bring Shelly up in conversations and... But, you know, it's just not her favorite topic. Well, how frustrating is that, though? Like, you want to have this relationship with your mother still at some level, but yet she doesn't even want to talk about the person in your life that you love and that you're living with. Yeah. Do I, though? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm kind of going through the motions because I feel guilty and obligated. She's in her 80s. Uh, Her health isn't great. She's frail and thin. And I know she's not going to be with us that much longer in the in the grand scheme of things. And I, I want it to be pleasant. I remember last time I visited. She I I guess I didn't I wasn't as forthright with some information. I didn't, didn't tell her all the information. She she imagines us somehow really good friends. And I can't really figure it out why she thinks that because I haven't given given her the impression that we are. And what a strange way to, to treat a friend for 30 years. You just basically try to undermine everything and tell them they're going to hell. I mean, that, that seems like a great friendship, right? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I know. I know. So she as something I was, I didn't tell her all the information in a story. I don't remember the details, but she said, you know, I think I understand how Jesus must feel about you. Shut out. That's what she said. Shut out. So yeah, so she knows the heart of Jesus. And I have certainly let Jesus down over all these years. And mom is the one to tell me. She's going to put me in my place. Set me straight. Oh, straight. I get it. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, exactly. So yeah, I mean, you're coming out in the late 80s. So I mean, any... Any horror stories beyond your mother? I mean, any life, you know, working through college, you know, in work situations, anything like that? Because, I mean, those were times where I remember in the 80s because I I graduated from high school in 1990 and I knew there was something a little bit different with me regarding my gender. And I thought it might be sexuality. I wasn't quite sure at that point. But, you know, 
those are times in the late eighties. You're coming out of the AIDS crisis. You're still, I mean, you're saying just the most vile things that you can about gay people. And if you don't, especially in super masculine situations, you could get the shit kicked out of you quite literally. And you yeah. Know, and anything regarding transgender was still referred to as transsexual and Rocky yeah. Horror Picture Show. So a mm-hmm. very different time. So how did you navigate that space? Yeah, no, that's an interesting point. I didn't know anyone who identified as transgender. That uh, people, It was just men who dressed up occasionally mm. or did drag. That's No one was talking about it, at least not in you know the small town where I went to college and and. Virginia Beach and other areas where I, I hung out. And maybe that was a more popular notion, maybe in San Francisco or New York City, but I wasn't in places like that. So I never heard about that sort of thing. The, the, one of the difficult things was men and women, uh, lesbians and gay men didn't want to hang out together in the 80s, especially. I think it's better now. Uh, mm. Once in a while, you still encounter mm. that, depending, but yeah, I remember I just always bridged the gap. Half the time people thought I was a fag hag. I hate that expression, but that's what was that was what I was called a lot of the times because if people didn't know I was a lesbian, that was the assumption mm. that I just had a bunch of gay guy friends because I did. I hung out with a lot of gay men and I also hung out with some lesbians, but I tr- I tried I remember I threw this party and nobody would mingle. I was going back and forth between the two groups, but nobody was mingling with one another. It was really strange. I never could figure out why I was so divided. Yeah. I do, I a, lot of, I do a lot of volunteer work for the uh, human rights campaign here in, in Western New York. And I stopped going to the, the, to, the, to the networking events because it was just a bunch of gay guys standing around talking to other gay guys and the lesbians were doing the organizing. And I was like, not doing, I was like, what am I supposed to do here? So... Yeah, it's, it's, I it's, bet. It's, it's kind of awkward, to be honest. I don't know what the deal is with that. I'm not sure. I still haven't figured that out. I just love everybody, and yeah. especially if you're, if you're funny and you're not mean-spirited, then I'm going to really like you. you then know? you must really like us. Yeah. I, I do like you, too. Oh, I think you're thank fabulous. You. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> absolutely we are. You should have seen us before. Uh, you would not. You would not. <laughs> I'll, I'll post a picture later. She just posted a picture on Instagram. Uh, of her pre-transition and now, and the difference is amazing. The difference in her her demeanor and the and, and her facial expressions and everything about her. And the thing that I got is that before she transitioned, she looked just like Peyton Manning. So <laughs> went from went from Peyton Manning to Peyton Tranning is what I said. <laughs> oh, wow! Yeah, that joke kills. I yeah. bet in Western New York. It, uh, <laughs> only in Western New York. There's a lot of things that kill in Western That's New right. York. It, it, actually, it, it, barely, it barely wounds anywhere, including Western New York. <laughs> now, do you consider that upstate New York where you are, or what part of New York is that really? Western New York. Yeah. Uh, it's Western. Yeah, it's still upstate though. I mean, anything, anything north of Westchester is really upstate. Though. Yeah, but anything east. East of Westchester is either central or western. Yeah, I don't know. So yeah, we got Syracuse is central, and Rochester is like the uh, the the is is the Ukraine of uh, of upstate <laughs> New York, where it's That's the border. Funny. It's border. It's bordering Syracuse and Buffalo. Yeah, I mean, I would tell people I was either from Niagara Falls or Buffalo, depending on if they you know we're more familiar with one or the other, because I mm-hmm. lived about twenty minutes from Niagara Falls. But then they'd say, "Oh, upstate." And they'll be like, no, but I mean, yeah. it's such a nuancey thing yeah. that New Yorkers might care about more than anybody else. Yeah, and, I, and, and whenever I, I lived in North Carolina for uh, three and a half years and 
you know, they would, you know, it's, I'd say I was from, from New York. They'd say, how many times have you been mugged? And it's like, uh, no, there's more cows where I am than here. So yeah, uh, the, the, there's just that, you know, that New York is Manhattan until they get to Niagara Falls idea. <laughs> right, exactly. As far as surviving the 80s as a lesbian, I think I had the advantage because I never was like super obvious. Mm-hmm. I've always, people never really, I, I was either a slightly feminine or a little middle of the road. I was never um, super butch, I guess. So, and then once I, I, I was gay bashed a couple of times, but within a group and it was somebody was just shouting like fags or something from a car window, nothing threatening, but you know, I, nothing great about that. But um, I never felt like my life was in danger because of my sexuality. So then with work and everything else is pretty much under the radar, try not to create ruffle, you know, the funny thing about that is I have been outed at pretty much every job I've ever had by someone else. And I've, I've worked in media for so long and it's a very gay friendly environment that it just really hasn't been an issue. I've worked in television. Okay. Yeah. What do you do? Mm -hmm. I currently work for public broadcasting Oh. and yeah, I'm a creative director. Oh yeah. I, well, I worked yeah, for for WXXI here. I worked for WSKG in Binghamton, uh, and I also worked for the Center for Public Television in North Carolina. Awesome. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm at um, PBS headquarters in Arlington. Oh, that's uh, great. Virginia. Oh, okay. Right outside DC. And before that, I was at Cartoon Network. I worked there for almost 20 years. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then bef- before that, I was in radio. So I've always been in some sort of media. So uh, I've, I've always I've always got a gay bi- vibe from Ben Ten. Uh, is is he, is he closeted? <laughs> wow, that's funny. Thank you. <laughs> Only one of the heroes is closeted. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. I can't remember all those different. Um, you know, he, right. he had a split personality, if nothing else. <laughs> I see. All right. Uh-huh. So, so you've always worked yeah. in a friendly and you, you live in D.C., which is, you know, for relatively gay friendly. I mean, when you get into some of the more denser urban spots, especially inside of the district, I would imagine that changes. Yeah. So but I mean, so we fast forward and, you know, now you're here. And how do you, you know, how do you how do you learn about Mormonism being a never Mormon? And how do you how do you contextualize all this stuff within your relationship? Yeah, it's kooky. Um, I had never really encountered a Mormon live, a live Mormon <laughs> until I met Shelly. You know, I knew about the Osmonds and stuff growing <laughs> up, but, <laughs> but I didn't know a real live Mormon before. And the whole not drinking coffee thing, I just, I didn't even know about that. I just think it's so goofy, the whole like hot beverages thing, because it's the problem isn't caffeine, it's hot beverages. It doesn't make a lick of sense because it's like, oh, but you can drink hot chocolate all day long. It doesn't make any damn sense. Yeah, wow. Mormons are nuts. But I think with, in terms of Shelly, the first thing I noticed was that she apologized constantly. Mm. And after a while, I said, did you do something to offend me? And she's like, I don't think so. Why? And I said, because you just apologized. Like, that's the 10th time you did it in an hour. I'm not trying to sound judgy. I just don't understand why you're apologizing so much. I just Because you're not doing anything wrong. It's just, your, I think it's a habit for you to just apologize for every single thing that you do, which seems silly. Yeah. Well, and I think that comes from just that idea of repentance inside of Mormonism. And, you know, you're always 
thinking of something that you did wrong or something that you could do better or that always striving for perfection. So if you're coming up short in any little thing, you know, part of the repentance is acknowledging and apologizing. So it's just, that seems, you know, as somebody who spent 20 years in the cult, that seems very natural. Yeah. Yeah. And possibly also because my father died when I was young, I was 12 and I didn't have any brothers. I had two sisters. So I was raised in this pretty strong female led household and we were all fending for ourselves after my father died. My mother had to go back to work full time to support us. So I didn't, I was never in the shadow of anyone, you know, and I think Shelly having three older brothers it made a difference, you know? Um, I really think that makes the difference depending on how you're raised. Yeah. Yeah. When we get, uh, when we get Shelly back on here, uh, we're, we're about, about to wrap up here and I would love to, to have you guys both on here and, uh, to, to thank you both for, for coming oh, sure. on here. It's been, it's been really good. So what's coming, you've got a full year of podcast plus, uh, some of the, uh, letter answering things. What's next for your, your podcast right now? Well, that's a really good uh, question. Let me see if she's actually, I'm here. Oh, you're here. <laughs> I was going to shout downstairs. Don't talk about me like I'm not here. <laughs> they want to know what's next for our podcast. Oh, God. First, we sleep. Um, <laughs> we're I actually think, taking a break. Yeah, I, I had mentioned that to them. We're going to take a little bit of a break. Um, we need to, of course, plan out our tour for 2020. Um, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You do realize the last year of the Hill Kimura pageant is 2020. So oh, I think, shit, Mary, we're going. I think Rochester God. and Palmyra have to oh. be on the list. Hell Yes. We'll send that mf -er out with a bang. Yeah. Get, get, a, get, a, get a vendor's license for that bad boy. That's going to be fun. Nah, they don't Shit. give out any. Nope, there's only one, and that's the Lions Club of Palmyra. So. Wow. Oh, wow. Fan. That would be fantastic. Should we have some um, golden plates made up with oh, our logo on them? Yeah. Of course. Ooh, I love this. <laughs> Working on them now. Working on them now. I feel oh, so subversive. This is so cool. <laughs> uh, let's see. We also want to start doing some writing i think our w-r-i-t-i-n-g maybe working on books <laughs> mm. um we also have another podcast called sleepy shorts which we want to spend a little more um time on as well i don't know i feel like i don't know more more of the same with latter-day lesbian i i I've, <laughs> i used to think that oh my gosh we're gonna run out of material you know how can this podcast be sustainable but i'm telling you every other day the church does something stupid that hurts a bunch of people's feelings and then we get to talk about it and as we get more and more listeners more and more people want to share their stories um I, I want to also interview some people with some different religious backgrounds besides mormonism we have a little bit but yeah, um yeah. You know, talk to the, the ex-evangelicals or Jehovah's Witness or, you know, you name it. Scientology would be great to have a Scientologist or ex-Scientologist on our podcast. Too. How do you feel about Methodists? Yep. Yeah, we'll get some Methodists on there. United Methodists, <laughs> Free Methodists, relatively cheap Methodists. Those are the best ones. Love it, love it. Yeah. I know we'd have an Episcopal on, but Episcopalian, but they'd be like, yeah, it was kind of, it was pretty normal. End of interview. <laughs> That's true. We, I wasn't really him. damaged, so yeah. yeah. I had a yeah. female minister. What's the big deal? <laughs> wow. Uh, You're right. Uh, so real I quick, yeah. the one one thing that I definitely, a big goal that I have that I would like to do with the podcast in 2020 
is at least one, if not more, live podcasts. We had an mm-hmm. incredible experience when we had a meet and greet at a coffee shop uh, in Salt Lake City after an event, and we thought just a handful of people would show up, but it ended up being a lot of people. And so a friend of ours busted out his podcasting equipment and we just podcasted right there with everyone just sitting on the floor and in chairs. And it, the energy was incredible, um, feeding, feeding off the energy of, of the audience, letting them talk, letting them ask questions, uh, letting them come up with foom pods. And he said, what's, and it just felt I felt like I was in my element, like I could do this all day, every day for the rest of my life. I loved it. Yeah. For the benefit of our audience who probably hasn't listened to yours, (laughs) what is a Foompod? Oh, it is the fucked up Mormon phrase of the day. (laughs) Yeah. It's incredibly amazing because when you are a Mormon your whole life or most of your life or some of your life, a lot of your vocabulary and culture, you realize, you you realize isn't normal. It's not what everyone says and does. And so when Mary and I were first podcasting, I'd just be chatting away and she'd say, what are you talking about? Well, she'd say something like health in the navel, marrow in the bones. And I was like, what the hell? What is that? (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh. Yeah. I guess you wouldn't know. So we decided, we said, we started this fucked up Mormon phrase of the day where I would say, Mary, the phrase today is the Leahona, you know, and She's got to figure out. And there's Penny looking at me like, what the fuck are you talking about? That was was a dog looking at a card trick, quite frankly. Well, okay. The other thing you need to know about Shelly is she's very competitive. And so she like, we, she turned this into a quiz show pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. And then she would quiz me on these things. And of course I have no idea because they're fucked up Mormon phrases. (laughs) I don't know what they are. So, All right. Yeah, she would always win. All right, Shelly, we're going to put you and Penny on the spot. So, <laughs> sure. Okay, Shelly, one quick foom pod for 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 Penny here. Okay, um, this is a great one, Penny. Mm-hmm. The fucked up Mormon phrase of the day today <laughs> is the little factory. The little factory. Ooh, the little factory. I'm going to guess that it's the testicles, uh, the the male the male uh, sperm generators. Are those the little factories? How the fuck is wow. me getting this right? I am Did- I am a compendium of useless information. <laughs> if no one needs to know it, I know. It. The other thing that I do really really well is I bullshit. Yeah. And, okay, and- I've got I've got to do good. another one. Then. No, 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 I, sure, I, have, but, to, I but have to. She gets she gets it half right, but. The, the other yeah, the part of it is, is that there's actually no it's it is it is the male part of that but a fo- somebody who is now since passed away his name is Boyd K Packer what was it a talk called the little factory it was, it was actually called for young men only oh yeah for um, young but- men only basically just saying don't play with your little factory don't oh. tamper don't, don't tamper. tamper with, with it old, yeah with the old That's- factory yeah. It's, yeah, it's you amazing. don't want to speed up production. Yeah, <laughs> speed up production. Once you start, you can't stop. That's exactly. I got to give Penny one more. Sure, Penny, why not? The fucked up Mormon phrase of the day today is Adam on Diamond. Adam on... <laughs> and Amy's over here like cheering. Adam <laughs> on Diamond. Yep. Yep. Uh, that actually is one of the 
best side dishes at the at the, at the Mormon Tabernacle Cafe. I'll, I'll have I'll have two eggs and the Adam on diamond, please. Over easy. Oh, if only that's what it was, Penny. I'll if have only. what she's having. Hey, I've been there. I've driven by it. There is nothing uh, my, there. My brother broke a sprinkler there. So, Penny, mm-hmm. Adamondiamon is actually uh, the Adamic language, which is not a thing, mm-hmm. um, for the Garden of Eve, Eden. So, just so you know, when Adam and Eve were sinners in the Garden of Eden, they were kicked out by God and thrown into uh, the place where Adamondiamon is, which is jackson county missouri (laughs) that is where when jesus returns to earth he will be going to jackson county missouri and calling all of the mormon elders past and present to jackson county missouri to herald in the millennium how did you not know that (laughs) yeah well i I didn't want to show it Yeah, the best comment was uh, somebody on our Facebook page said, I think God picked him up like long darts and flung him across the Atlantic Ocean. Now, I just have one last question. We got we to gotta let you go. You guys have been really generous with your time here. But and, and I, how many times do people make Frankenstein references with Mary and Shelley with you guys? Oh, yeah. But we Actually, we capitalize on that. We do. Yeah, really? When, when, when we introduce oh, yeah. ourselves to people and they're like looking at us like you're not we're, we won't remember your names we say you know mary and shelley like the frankenstein author oh so suddenly no one forgets our names it's perfect that's it's really perfect. wonderful yeah and if that doesn't work i say mary you know like the virgin <laughs> and i always say but she's not <laughs> and, and shelley like the person who feeds you shrimp <laughs> yeah exactly yes, although i yes. gave her crablings, crablings. But similar. i'm sorry so I, was, similar. I was trying and can to... i just throw out there i'm not allergic to shellfish mary why like the fuck don't be don't be so shellfish well i think we should let these lovely ladies um go show off their porn shoulders to each other this evening <laughs> yeah that sounds like a plan. yeah it sounds hot. Gonna, yeah, we're gonna go rub, rub porn shoulders. Yeah, so, but thank you. I like it. Thank you so much for being so generous with your time coming on the Transformation Thursday podcast. I know you said you might be taking a little break and enjoy your holiday season and some well-deserved time off. Oh, thank thanks you. for having us. Yeah. This is lovely. Your, those of your listeners who are about to start listening to our podcast, but then are like, "Wait, they're taking a break." It's okay. Start from episode one binge and then you'll be ready for us in the new year and yeah there's over 52 episodes on there so have fun mm-hmm. yeah and mm-hmm. who's gonna be on at the beginning of the new year uh it's gonna uh, be you amy amy stevens Ooh. shameless promotion <laughs> I, love I like it i like we're it. all about the shameless self-promotion you know yeah, it's that's, podcasting baby that's right so thanks ladies mm-hmm. have a great night thank You're you thanks Appreciate so much for so much. having us on thank bye, you. take care bye-bye If you'd like to support Transformation Thursday, you can do so in the following ways. On Facebook, like the Transformation Thursday podcast. To support us financially, you can do so by going to our Patreon page by typing www.transformationthursday.com into your browser of choice. On Spotify, Google Podcasts, and or Apple Podcasts, please subscribe to Transformation Thursday. And on Apple Podcasts, please give us a five-star rating and write us a short review. It's free, and it really helps to get Transformation Thursday out to a broader audience. Finally, Transformation Thursday is copyrighted material, all rights reserved, 2019. 
Welcome back to Transformation Thursday. Amy, that may have been one of our longest interviews, but also for me, one of the most fascinating ones. Why was it? I, I, why was it fascinating for you? I did not. I did not know that that ex les ex Mormons they're, they're, <laughs> and current lesbians. I didn't know that ex Mormons could be so much fun, or maybe, or maybe it's just because they're currently lesbians. I don't know, but that was they were just so joyful and had so much fun to talk. It was so much fun to talk, and you could feel the joy coming off of them as we chatted. Well, I'm an ex-Mormon. Don't you feel my joy and love coming off of me? Okay, so I should say most ex-Mormons. <laughs> <laughs> well, no. I, I, I save that lovey-dovey stuff for other places. Yes, I can imagine that. <laughs> and, and, and uh, yeah, I've seen you. I've seen you with the lovey-dovey stuff. And uh, quite frankly, I would say it's disgusting if I wouldn't do exactly the same thing if I was in your situation. So, <laughs> so, so what, did, what was your takeaway from, from chatting with these wonderful women? You know, I, you know, being an ex-Mormon and joining the church, you know, in 1999 and so 20 years ago, you know, as I leave Mormonism behind, I realize a couple things. One, it's going to take me a little bit longer to deprogram myself from it. And it, and some of the vocabulary and some of the ways you approach life uh, become so affected by being a member of the church. But I've also tried to not use the word cult mm. for how I view the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints now. Mm -hmm. However, I just, it, you know, speaking with Mary and Shelly tonight and listening to some recent podcasts and just some of the things in the way that I see the church now, it, it is a cult. Yeah. I think it's like like I was saying about the gaslighting that you're, yeah. you're kind of self guess what it really was in a cult because this and that, but no, I, no, it's it you know it sounds really freaky and very uncomfortable and very much of a of a of a brainwashing sort of situation. And you know, and I and I want to make a point, and I and this came out in the podcast is, you know, I look at cults. There are some cults like the Jim Jim Jones cult. Mm -hmm. The, I mean that that yeah that's a really dangerous type of cult to and belong. the Moonies the Moonies yeah those are dangerous Scientologists Scientologists Jehovah's Witnesses and then I think Mormons Girl Scouts well yeah I mean but there's <laughs> just but I, but I mean I think there's a, I think there's a pecking order of culty niche mm -hmm. and do I put the do I put the Mormon Church up with Scientology or Jim Jones or some of those other cults no but. Are they as culty as the Catholic Church or like you were talking about Presbyterians or Methodists? They're they're definitely above that. And I think all religion has some cultish features to it. So yeah. I'm not gonna say that all religions are free of being a cult because I think they all fit the definition, especially right. within the confines of Christianity. Mm -hmm. But it, it it's it's up there. And yeah, but it's it's definitely less cultish than like Mac users. Yeah, yeah, or transgender people. <laughs> or transgender. <laughs> yes, the cult of trans is the is, is the best cult there is. Yeah. We uh, well maybe we'll teach some people the secret handshake sometime, but they have to look fabulous while they're doing it. That's the only thing. Well, that's I think enough for this particular issue. This episode uh, of transformation. This, there are no thing. issues here whatsoever. No, none whatsoever. None, zero. We have zero issues. But Amy, thank you very much for bringing these wonderful people on our podcast. This was your idea, and I'm so glad you brought it up. Uh, and I. I can't wait to hear your podcast of the Latter-day Lesbians. We'll put up a link for them on our on our on our page for them. 
Yep, and you know, like 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 Shelly and Mary said, they're taking a little bit of a holiday season hiatus. So you know, my episode is probably going to be in early January. So once we get an exact date, we will definitely publicize that. But definitely go on to Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts and look back through their library. There are over seventy podcasts that they have up between their weekly Sunday show, which is the main Latter-day Lesbian, and then they also do something called Latter-day Letters, um, where they have their, or listener letters, where they have their listeners write in with letters and they talk about them. So, hey, you know what? They, you know what our listeners could do? They could do, they could write to Amy and Shelley. I mean, uh, Mary and Shelley. <laughs> or, or Penny and Amy. They, what, what, what they, why don't they write to Mary and Shelley and talk about how cool Penny and Amy are? I, that's a great idea. And they'll talk about us, and that's always fun. Yeah, they'll, they'll talk about me. me. Or, or, I, or I got a better idea, the one that you did not think of whatsoever in They're any of this. They're going to talk about me. That the, <laughs> gosh, I hate it when you do that. That's <laughs> they, they can talk about how that is that you get the echo and I don't, is all I want to know. Yeah. But yeah, so yeah, we should probably start doing that. Start giving uh, people if they want to want to do that. They can always send us messages through Facebook or Twitter, uh, or or they can go on to Patreon and send us messages there. Right? I think I think uh, Patreon would be the, would be my preferred. But wherever you see us on social media, um, you know, give us a shout out. Uh, let us know what you think of our podcast. We'd love stop to hear us back on the street. You. Yeah. No. No. Okay. Don't stop us on the street. Pretend we haven't met. But for now, I think that's <laughs> enough for this one. Thank you so much for be, for listening to Transformation Thursday. Good night, Amy. Good night, Penny. Good night.